our scripture reading, we turn to Luke chapter 1. The text we consider verses 26 to 33. I will not reread that section. We'll read the first, um, the first 38 verses, verses 1 to 38 of the book of Luke. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak, until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias, and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. 
when he came out, he could not speak unto them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So far we read from the inspired scriptures. Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, as we read this passage, take note how you can see that there's a, a contrast in these two announcements. And a number of times in scripture where we take note of that, that you read of one story and then you'll read a, another story right after it or very near it, and there may be certain similarities, and also one may take note of certain differences between them. In this case, there's certain similarities. They both are making an announcement, that, and both times it's, it's Gabriel, the angel Gabriel, who brings the announcement. In both times, he talks about the birth of a child. And in both times, he states the, the name of the child, what the child's name 
will be. And so in that sense, there, there's a similarity between the two. We can also see some differences. And the first one, the one that receives the uh, announcement, is the father. And the next one, it's, it's the mother that receives the announcement. Of course, the next one, it's going to be that the mother is going to uh, conceive as a, as a virgin. Secondly, we see that the first announcement is in the temple. It's in Jerusalem. To a man who's the priest, who's one of the priests, and that the angel speaks to him there at the temple in Jerusalem. Here, the narrative we consider, the message is brought to the, this woman who is in, in Nazareth, married to, uh, who is espoused to a carpenter. And then, of course, one of the one very notable contrast between the two is that when Zacharias hears what is announced, he doesn't believe. He asks a question, so does Mary. But a difference between the two is that Zacharias is not believing, and the angel points that out. Zacharias says, whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man, my wife well stricken in years. And then he's told that he's not going to be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words. Where what was brought to him was that his wife, though, though older, was going to have a child. Mary was told... She's going to conceive as a virgin. She's going to conceive it, at least at that moment, it was the case that she was still, that she was still a virgin. And so she asked, and she asked the question about that. How, how shall this be, seeing I am not knowing a man? And then when the angel speaks to her about the fact that the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and so on, then we read be, that she said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. So we see the contrast in those two, in those two stories. As we go through, as we point out a few points about the text, the specific text that we look at uh, this afternoon, a couple of things that we want to point want to point out as I go through it. There are a number of places. On the one hand, there are false teachings with regard to this very passage that the the Romish Church uses this passage as proof that we should be praying to Mary. And this is this, this central passage that they refer to. You know, they pray their Hail Marys. Where do they get this idea of the Hail Mary? Right here, so they say. And they talk about how, look how Mary was, for this to happen, for this baby to be born, Mary had to give her, her assent. 
And they say, and they'll make, they will stress, look, she said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, and so on. She had to give her assent. And they have, they, as, as, as time has gone on, it says they've more so developed their false teaching regarding the worship of Mary, prayers to Mary, and this is a multitude of people that hold to this. So on the one hand, it is important for us to make some comments about that and the wrongness of that. But also, as we go through this text, it's so important for us to ponder what is said here and for us to rejoice. The good news that is made known to us and for us to rejoice with, with great joy. We, at this time of the year, we talk about, especially at this time of the year, we tend to talk about the, the birth of our Savior. How long it was, it was such a long period of time that God's people were waiting for the birth of the Messiah. And now comes the announcement to this woman, Mary, and she's told that she is going to be the mother, the mother of our Lord. And the promise is going to be fulfilled. And the good news that is said to her, that is good news for us. And in whatever difficulties we face and all the trials and the sorrows and the difficulties we go through, what joy we have having heard the good news of the gospel of grace and understanding that this, this Jesus dwells in us and that we are members of his body and that he will return just as he was born. They had been waiting for him to come and then he was born just as God said, so he will return just as God has said that he would. He suffered as God said. He suffered and died as God said. He arose. He ascended as God had said. And he will return. And we are with joy believing the words of God. We are to rejoice and to praise him and to serve him as his joyful servants delighting to live unto him. We consider this text under the theme, the Virgin Mary to have a son. We consider, first of all, the salutation. Secondly, the, the wonder. And thirdly, the, the kingdom. The Virgin Mary to have a son. First, we read in the text that it was in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now that idea of the sixth month is going to be coming, comes up later in verse 36 when it, the text says, And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. So at that time, it was the sixth month with her. And now this text begins. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, Nat, now Galilee 
Nazareth, which was, a, which was in Galilee. That was the area where the northern tribes had lived. Familiar with the fact that in the old dispensation, there was Judah in the south. At once they divided, once the northern tribes broke away, there were the northern tribes in the north called Israel, and there was Judah in the south. And then when we come into the, into, when we start reading in the New Testament, then we read of Judea in the south, and we read of Galilee north of them. And in between, there was this section that was referred to as Samaria in the area. And so Galilee was in that area where the northern tribes had been. And we read some comments about uh, things uh, with regard to Galilee. Like, for example, we read the Jews. In John 7, verse 52, we read of the Jews saying, Out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. No prophet arises out of Galilee. This Jesus of Nazareth, he's of Nazareth from Galilee. Well, out of Galilee arises no prophet. Now, we, of course, know that it was the case that he was born in Bethlehem, that Mary is, lives in, in Nazareth. But it's going to be the case that they're going to come down to Bethlehem, then the baby's going to be born there in Bethlehem, and then later they're going to return to Nazareth, and that's going to be a town that he's going to grow up in, and he's going to be referred to as Jesus of Nazareth. But he was born in Bethlehem in Judea, even as the scriptures said that he would be born in Bethlehem. So the angel comes to uh, the angel Gabriel. He was sent from God unto this city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin who's espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Now it's good to see that both were of the house of David. You know that Mary was of the line of David. But it's important to see there was significance to the fact that Joseph was too. Even though people say, well, he wasn't the biological father. That's true. But there was significance to the fact that he was of the line of David. There's a, there, it, it's specifically referred to as such. He was a, she was a spouse to a man named Joseph who was of the house of David. And he's, in Matthew, he's even addressed that way as son of David. We read that in Matthew 1, verse 20, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, unto Joseph, in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Joseph, Thou son of David. So there's importance to the fact that Joseph was of the line of David, and he's even referred to as, as such. And Joseph, and, and it's the case at this time that Mary was espoused to Joseph. Now we're familiar with the fact that betrothal and being espoused, well, there was a bit different than what we refer to today as when two people are, are engaged. 
and that the language that's used, they're even like referred to from the viewpoint of husband and wife, even though it's not the case that the marriage has been consummated yet. Fear not to take unto thee, marry thy wife. The Old Testament spoke the same way. You can read that in Deuteronomy 22, verses 23 and 24, where there's reference to somebody that's espoused and that they still use the language of, of husband and wife, even though the marriage has not been consummated as of yet. And it was the case that, in God's providence, it was the case that uh, this that they were that she was espoused to Joseph at this time, and it would be the as time went on and as Mary, as Joseph is, or rather as Jesus is born, then as time went on, there were those that he was supposed to was supposed to have been Joseph's son. There were those that referred to him as Joseph's son, and from a legal point of view, he was, but it was important to see what Scripture says here about the fact that when Jesus was born, Joseph had not known her. And that they, she was a virgin in the sense that she was a virgin not only at the point of conception, but she was a virgin at the point of when Jesus was born. And that specifically is mentioned in, the, in what we read in, already in, in Matthew when God spoke to Joseph. It says, he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. He didn't know her till she had brought forth her son. And they called his name, he called his name Jesus. Jesus. Now, when this angel comes, we read that the angel comes unto her and says, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And that passage is changed. The way that it's the way that it is explained today, people, the Romish Church uses this as a basis for their prayer, Hail Mary. What they've done is they've combined Luke one verse twenty eight, parts of Luke one twenty eight, and parts of Luke one forty two, and then they add the word Mary to it. And they take what is the angel speaking to Mary and they change that into a prayer to Mary. So that when they're praying this Hail Mary, they're praying to Mary. Now that's clearly an example of taking the scriptures, which are talking about one thing, an angel speaking to Mary. And thinking that, oh, you can use that and say that this, is, this supports the idea that we should pray to Mary. Which is clearly, clearly contrary to, to Scripture. The way they speak about Mary, they refer to her as a co-redemptress. They refer to her as a mediatrix. 
They call her, call her mother of God. Now, in the Creed of Chalcedon, we do use that phrase, but it's followed up with the phrase, mother of God according to the manhood, is the way the phrase reads in the Creed of Chalcedon. They often will just refer to her as mother of, mother of God, mother of all believers. And they'll say, we're to our, entrust ourselves to her prayer. And we're to go to Jesus through Mary, asking her to pray for us and to help us. Now that is clearly, clearly contrary to Scripture. Sometimes what they'll say in response to that is, well, that's no different than asking somebody else, somebody, you know, if you asked a friend to pray for you. If you were talking to a Roman Catholic, they might say something like that. Well, don't you ever ask any friends of you? Do you don't you ever ask them to pray for you, or don't you ever ask them to you know to help you? Well, this is this is very different when you talk to a saint. The idea of talking to a saint that's in glory and asking them to pray for us and asking them to help us—that's clearly a violation of the first commandment. To do that, we're to come to God in our prayers. We're to pray to God. Jesus, of course, when we have come, Lord Jesus, come quickly, well, Jesus is, is God. We don't pray to the saints in, in glory. Asking them to pray for us, talking to them in prayer, asking them to pray for us, and asking them to help us, when we look at some of the some of the prayers that they that they utter, that they'll ask Mary to keep and guard them. They'll ask Mary, show us Jesus. They'll say, ask her, deliver us always from all dangers. Praying to Mary, asking her to keep and guard us, asking her to show us Jesus, for her to deliver us from danger. This is very clearly and very quite seriously against the grievous sin to go in this direction. It is important for us to see that that is a, 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 a great serious error, false doctrine that Rome teaches. We often talk about the Mass. When we go through the Heidelberg Catechism, we talk about the Mass. And if somebody was to ask, how do we differ from Roman Catholics? Well, we may you know, make reference to to the mass and oh, they're, a, they're a adultery, they're, it's an accursed idolatry, and their doctrine of, of justification by works. Uh, it's also important for us to remember their false teaching regarding regarding Mary, which we do we do make a reference that we're not to be in our creeds that we're not to be calling upon the the saints that are in glory. Now, when we look at what the, the statement does say, first of all, the statement says, Hail. Now, that's, there's a number of times where we read that the word there has the idea of rejoice. That somebody, uh, that somebody appears and says to them, Hail or rejoice, thou uh, highly favored. Speaks of her as highly favored. And one whom God 
The idea of highly favored is one whom God has graced. Undeserved favor. It's very important for us to confess that Mary was a sinner like we are. They speak of her as being sinless. They speak of her as, as ascending into heaven, too. But they say that Mary was sinless. They take of the, speak of the Immaculate Conception, which was a doctrine that they approved in 1854. Mary was a sinner, like, like you and I are. And she was, when she's referred to as highly favored, it's undeserved, undeserved favor. The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou. The Lord is with thee, blessed art thou. Now hearing that phrase and thinking of that, that that's true also with regard to us. To hear the words, the Lord is with you. How comforting that is, too. Sometimes in our trials, somebody says, though, just that short statement. The Lord is with you. Don't be afraid. Don't worry. The Lord is with you. And you well, I know that. But you think of how important it is to, to keep hearing that. That's right. The Lord is with me. Blessed art thou. One who has, if the Lord is with you, you're blessed. You're happy. Those that are apart from God, to be apart from God is death, to be sinners. But if the Lord is with you, then you're happy indeed. Blessed, blessed of God. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Of course, we understand that there, there's a reference to the fact that she is privileged to be the mother of our Savior. She, it's not that she merited that, but she is privileged to be the mother of, of our Savior. And she hears that, that address, she hears that, that salutation to her, and she is Wondering, it says she was troubled at the saying. Now that's quite that's quite interesting that it says that she was troubled at the saying. Because one might think an angel, you just see an angel, and then you're looking at an angel, and you're just so much looking at the angel. That one might have thought, thought it would have been easy to be distracted so much just looking at the fact that there's this angel talking to you. It specifically says that she was troubled by his saying, at his saying. It doesn't say at his appearance, but at his, at his saying. And then it goes on, and it says, he cast in her mind, she's thinking about what manner of salutation this should be. Why is it the case that this angel is referring to her as Highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. Why, 
Why is he saying that? That's what's going on in her mind. She's thinking about what he is saying. Now that's, that's good to pause for a moment there and see the importance it is when we hear the word of God to be pondering it. You know, later on we read of Mary pondering these things in her heart. And how we too are to ponder what we read. And now if one says, well this was an important message for Mary that was coming to her. And one can understand that she was going to be so attentive to this message and here an angel is coming to her and speaking this message to her. Yet it's also true that when we read scripture, this is, this is what God says to you. As this has often been referred to as what Christ says to his bride. Just like a bride, a, a woman that was engaged to a husband and if the, to a man, and if the man was to write her a letter, how she'd be so attentive to what he says. She loves him. This is important message for us. And that's the way we should hear the word. That's the way we sh when we read it. That's the way we should be attentive to the word of God. And, God, and the angel goes on and says to her, Fear not, Mary. Don't be fearing, Mary. For thou hast found favor with God. There's no reason to fear. You found favor with God. How comforting it is to hear that. Don't fear. You found favor with God. And we see here the, that the angel comes and speaks about God's grace. And then is going to go on and speak about the wonder of the, of the virgin birth. And as we start our worship services, we start off with a reference to the fact that God loves us. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good for us to hear that. And have our mind directed to God's love. To his grace. And... How comforting that is for us to hear that. And then the, the angel goes on and speaks about the wonder of the, of the virgin birth, the incarnation. We read the angel said, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. Now there's another word that we can easily pass over. Behold. Behold, as it is, look. Look and be amazed. Behold. And, and when we read that, we're to read it that way. Behold. And not just read as if the word behold is not, is not there. Behold. Look. And be amazed. Interestingly, that's the same language that's used in Isaiah 7 the familiar words where the virgin birth is prophesied, that we read, 
Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Behold, that's Isaiah 7, 14. And here we read that similarly, the angel says, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now she responds to that. And she is wondering how this is going to be, seeing that she is not knowing a man. Now, her request differs from that of Zacharias, as was already pointed out, is that it's not that she's asking this in unbelief, but she is trying, she wants to understand something, that she says, I am not knowing a man. So sure, she's a spouse to Joseph, but they haven't consummated that marriage, and she's being told, you're going to conceive. And so her question is, how is it? I'm not knowing a man. How is that going to be? And, it, and the response that she gets is not, well, you're going to, you are to consummate the marriage with Joseph now, and then you're going to conceive. That's not, that's not the answer. That when she says, how is this going to be? How will this be seen as I know not a man? How shall this be seeing I'm not knowing a man? The response is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That is, that's in the, that's the answer. That she says, the Holy, that he says, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest, the Holy Spirit, the power of the highest, shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. The Son of God. That the second person of the Trinity took upon himself the human nature, the complete human nature, Body, we would be have a complete human nature, body and soul. And it would be permanent. Sometimes people think he was a man for a while, as if he's not a man now. It would be permanent. So that still today, as Jesus Christ has a human nature. Two natures, complete human nature. He didn't cease to be God. He is God, and he is also a real righteous man. Two natures united in the one person of the Son of God. It's the second person that took upon himself the human nature. We see the first that we see the Father sent the Son, and we see that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Yet it was the second person, the one who is the eternal Son, who took upon himself the human nature. He shall bring forth a son, and he shall be that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Shall be called the Son of God. Not only that he is the Son of God, 
But it's also the case that he will be confessed to be, too. He will be confessed to be the Son of God. The Son of the Highest. The Son of the Transcendent One. God is the one who, this, this child will be God's Son, and Mary is to name him. and name him Jesus. And we saw in Matthew, there's a reference to Joseph naming. So there's a reference to Joseph naming him, Mary naming him, and yet the name was the name that God had told them. Had told Mary, we read in this text, we read of the fact that of him telling Mary that she shall call his name Jesus, Savior, or Jehovah, Salvation. He is Jehovah. He is our complete Savior. All of our salvation from beginning to end is entirely his work. The virgin birth itself, born without the will of man. And of course, it's true that all of our salvation, it's entirely the work of God. And for that, we give God the praise and adoration. She would, Mary would also be told about a sign that would strengthen her used of God to strengthen her faith. She's told about Elizabeth. Behold, thy cousin Elizabeth hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. So not only does, after she's told about the birth of her son, then she's also told about Elizabeth, and then we read that Mary quickly went there. It says, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. And not only was it going to be the case that she's going to find, get there and find out, sure enough, Elizabeth, as old as she is, she's pregnant. You can see she's pregnant. Not only is it the case that when she gets there, that she'll see that. But it's also the case that when she enters into the house of Zacharias and salutes Elizabeth, that Elizabeth, when she hears the salutation, the babe leaps in her womb, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Ghost. So you think of her coming to see that, her, that Elizabeth, what has been said about Elizabeth, and she comes, and when she gets there, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and speaks with a loud voice. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed. And that's what's said to her through Elizabeth. Blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things 
which were told her from the Lord. And then we read of Mary saying those words that Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior, her Savior. She also needed a Savior to be saved from her sin. And God sent his son to be her savior and also to be ours. And of his kingdom, there is no end. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David making a reference to that, to the throne of his father David. That brings out that this will be a, the, in fulfillment of the covenant promise, that he would be the seed of Abraham, he would come from the line of Judah, that he would be the son of David. God would give him the throne of his father David. It says... And he shall reign over the house of Jacob. Now the word Jacob then is not to be taken as like a negative term. He's also called Israel. You know, sometimes we read of the house of Israel or the house of Jacob. And here it says he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And we understand that God, the church in the old dispensation, Israel was the church in the old dispensation. And now what has happened is what has been happening is that the nations have been joining, have been coming in, people, the elect remnant from all nations, into one people of God, not two peoples of God, but into one people of God, that God has been gathering his church from the beginning to the end of the world out of all the nations. And Jesus is our king. He reigns over all. He is the king of his people, and he graciously works in his People. God works in, our, in us and graciously works in us faith, which is a gift he purchased for us. And our salvation is all of him from beginning to end. Another error regarding Another error of Rome with regard to Mary is that they make the, the birth of Jesus dependent upon Mary's agreeing to it. And they'll stress, now see, she agreed, she agreed to it. They make it dependent upon, she had to agree. On the one hand, when we look at this passage, we see that the angel stated it as a fact. Now, now, this is going to happen, provided, provide you, did you cooperate, this is going to happen. That's not what he says. He doesn't make it as like a conditional, in a conditional form. He says, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. This is going to happen. 
It's also true that Mary, we see the work of God in Mary, that she says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. We see the work of God there. The God who graciously saves us works within us and worked within Mary for her to say what she said. But our salvation from beginning to end does not depend upon some activity that we perform. It's entirely a gift of God's grace. And this Jesus is in us. When we talk about his kingdom, and his kingdom is that he's king forever, and of his kingdom there is no end. Well, the kingdom is within you. The scriptures say that the kingdom is within you. Christ is in us. He rules in us graciously by his word and spirit. And it's so important to stress that. Someone might look at this story and think, Oh, what it must have been for Mary to have Christ in her womb, knowing that she's got the Savior in her womb, the, the promised Messiah. Well, she, she was privileged to be the mother of Messiah. That, that's true. It was only for a time that the baby was actually in her womb. But it's good for us to have our mind directed to the, to the fact that this Jesus is in you, is in me, forever. That he's in our heart. And we're a member of his body. We are constantly to think about that. What a blessing we received in Christ Jesus our Lord. To think of the fact that we are in Christ and he is in us. In fact, that word, highly favored, thou art highly favored, it appears one other place in the New Testament and in that other place, it talks about all of us who are in Christ. In this other place, in Ephesians 1, it's translated, made accepted. In the Luke passage, it's translated, highly favored. And in the Ephesians passage, it's translated as, made accepted. And it says in Ephesians 1, 5 and 6, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. There's that term, there the term is found again. He's made us accepted in the beloved. The favor God has shown to us. The mercy that God has shown us. What joy should fill our heart. And as citizens of the kingdom of God, we should delight, and we do indeed,
talk about us from the viewpoint of the new man, we desire to serve him. Mary says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. We who are saved by God's grace desire to serve him. Receiving this news about the Savior, we have joy and gladness in our soul. And we want to praise him. As Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. We want to magnify his name. Singing his praises and going forth in each day, not living unto ourselves, but in living unto him, confessing we're not our own. We belong to Christ. And that the Spirit works in us to make us willing and ready henceforth to live unto Him. To praise His name. And to be comforted knowing that our God is sovereign. As the angel said, with God nothing shall be impossible. God accomplishes His purpose. He can and He does all His pleasure. Our God does. He'll avert all evil or turn it to our profit. May we praise him. May we exalt his name. May we encourage one another in these days while we're waiting for our Savior to return. May we talk on these things. Ponder what God has told us. The good news confessing our salvation to be all of him. May we live joyfully, cheerfully to the honor of his name, magnifying his name. He is worthy of our praise and adoration. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, our God and our Father, we thank thee, O Lord, for thy grace, for thy mercy. With joy and gladness in our soul, we praise thee. We are sinners, saved by thy grace. We thank thee for the grace thou hast given to us. We are thankful thou didst send thy son, who was conceived and born so many years ago. And we are thankful for all of his work. And we are thankful to know that he reigns and that he graciously rules in us. May we be ruled by thy word and spirit. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Grant us grace. Forgive our sins. Strengthen us in the battle. May we live to the honor of thy great and holy name. For Christ's sake, amen.